Welcome to the second episode of the Pixel Drone Show, and I am your co-host Greg Riverdio. We have Haya Kestelo and we have Kara Murphy, and today we have a very special guest with John McBride. And John has been around the industry for before the industry was even an industry, I think. And uh, and I'm going to let Kara introduce our guest and, and tell us a little bit more, and then John, we can uh, hear from you. So welcome all to the show. I'm really excited to be talking about this today. Yeah. So. John, thank you for being on. Um, you have just been a huge role model and just someone that everyone looks up to. Um, some people know John as Drone Jesus, um, but he's better known as the founder of RMUS and probably the best reseller. Whenever there's something new, especially enterprise that comes out, John is the first to test it and give his honest opinion. So he is also a trusted source for the best information around. And um, I'm honored to call you a friend, John. Um, I especially, um, I finally look back at that article we did for Drone Life on the Halloween drone witch that you had, where you had an actual witch flying field. You were able to get a heavy payload um, going and have it fly yeah. through the field and chase someone. That was one of my favorite stories I've ever written. But i um, excited to have you on here today um, because you are one of the top rese uh, resellers, someone that people go to when they need new products, especially DJI. So we're excited to talk to you. Well, thank you again for having me and everybody. Uh, you know, thank you, Kara. I, I, sometimes I, I really do uh, just just act the way I do and help the way I help has obviously uh, inspired a lot of people, helped a lot of people. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I do have a business to run. I have employees and, and people that need to learn stuff. I have technology I have to purchase and buy so I can actually get that information out there. So uh, it, it is a very complicated overall business, more so than being, you know, just a, just a drone service provider that is trying, I mean, that's even a complicated business, but you know, trying to resell, trying to understand the equipment, trying to, you know, create training, trying to, to make an impact in the market that, uh, you know, the passion for drones, the passion and love for drones. Um, I'm also an RC guy. So even behind me, I've got, you know, RC airplanes. And yeah, you mentioned a, a witch. Um, that is just, again, the love of the, pa the, the passion and the love to do things outside of the box, you know. So uh, everybody has taken that. Uh, with me and I love the journey. I love to see people get interactive with me and try to help them out. So I appreciate you guys all having me here. So John, the reason why we wanted to bring you on board here was uh, last week, I think, or two weeks ago now, was DJI announced that they were going to sell drones, or not just drones, but enterprise drones directly to the customer. And this is a, a big departure from what DJI has been doing. So uh, can you tell us a little bit more about how DJI before this date has been doing business. How does it work to get an enterprise drone? You know, maybe of a lot of our followers may not know how you actually get an enterprise drone and what actually qualifies for an enterprise drone. Sure. So, so one of the the most difficult business models is trying to sell enterprise equipment. You know, and where does that classify as enterprise equipment? Well, sometimes that comes from the manufacturer itself. That can sometimes comes from from RMUS saying, "Hey, this is." classified as our uh, enterprise equipment because of the support and the, the need of help and the maintenance and showing and training you know all of the back end side now when you come to the consumer electronics side you know you 
go to Best Buy and hopefully the guy in the blue shirt can answer a few questions for you. Um, local ho hobby shop that might be able to help you out uh, if you get into the, you know, buy or purchase a drone. But the enterprise side definitely demands a higher level of understanding as a reseller, a higher level of, un, you know, getting into the company itself, talking to the technicians on their end, the manufacturers, and understanding those processes, as well as, you know, myself being to uh, DJI headquarters uh, six times uh, in Shenzhen, China, to sit down at the round table and discuss how that manufacturer could help out, you know, with their designs or their their stuff, you know, and feedback from my customers that are all enterprise um, purchasers. And again, it doesn't really matter to the customer, you know, if they buy from me, if they buy a Phantom, it's still an enterprise supported product on our level, if that makes sense. So not everybody buys equipment and has that expectation, but you know, when you deal with our US, you certainly will get that expectation. And that's kind of the difference between a lot of the resellers out there is that we have upheld this standard, which again, I get very picky and choosy about some of the, the, re, the, the uh, brands or the drones or the technology out there, software, everything else to really create partnerships if I don't have the level of support to help my own customers. So I'm buying from them, doing them a favor to basically educate and show how the technology works and what they're purchasing. And if I don't have that on the back end, it just it just makes my customers who rely on the technology later on, you know, they're, some are just starting, but others are highly dependable, highly dependent, I meant dependent on that information now. So once that dependency is there and something has a problem, a firmware update messes something up or you know, there's a change in their SOP because of the manner in which the new drone flies or adding a piece of equipment. We have to be there to help them out. So that's kind of just RMUS in general. That's why we are a little bit different than most dealers out there. And to be quite frankly, or quite frankly, we were the very first DJI enterprise specific dealer in the United States, meaning that we didn't migrate from the hobby shop or consumer electronics and then decide to sell enterprise. We focused 100% on enterprise. We do not, I don't sell consumer electronics drones, but I do if the enterprise uh, customer of mine demands it, you know, and, and then again, it's a low margin on those items, but we build it out that back end. If they're just going to buy a Phantom or a Mavic and start their programs going, not a lot of margin there, but it's that introduction into the you know, the drone industry, if you will. And then eventually they're like, holy crap, we need a M300. We need an M600. We need something larger, bigger, better payload. So um, that's the that's kind of the mantra that we've had. And now, you know, there's a hundred enterprise dealers in our in the, in that space. 100 just in the United, in the uh, um, Northern America. Uh, that definitely puts a crunch on how their products, DJI's products are truly supported, you know, and not everybody does that. So you had mentioned about reading something in one of the Facebook pages and and where my perspective comes from when DJI decides, well, we're going to sell direct. Fine. You know, for me, that's that's just another dealer out there. You know, it's just another person that will not, you know, basically be able to uphold again our level of expectation from our customers. Um, and sometimes people purchase from other places 
then find out that they don't have that back end and you know that that's just kind of how, how it's been working for the last couple of years and if you're not ready to diversify a little bit to organize a little bit uh to reestablish, you know how you're going to handle you know enterprise in general then i'm then maybe you shouldn't be doing it you know so it shouldn't scare people is all i'm saying question uh, question i have for you john can you tell us a little bit about how long you've been a uh, a dealer with uh, with dji and how that relationship in working with dji has changed over the years i mean in the last uh, two years we've seen a lot of changes a lot of key people that have left uh, dji can you tell us a little bit about how your relationship with the company has changed and uh, what it has come to now our very first meeting with dji and and again i'm a co-founder of rmus jt von lunen is actually the president of rmus um he does make the ultimate calls overall. I do help and influence that a little bit, especially vetting the equipment that we do. But JT and I went over to China uh, 2015, I think maybe beginning of 2016, beginning of 2016. And like I said, they didn't know who we were. They had no idea, you know, that first meeting. They they're trying to penetrate this market and you know trying to get that enterprise you know idea you know even on the back end on their side they didn't really have an enterprise layer built into the you know all of a sudden we're just going to call it enterprise but you know how do we deal with purchasing how do we deal with with all of the mm-hmm. stuff that i talk about maintenance you know uh back end help um they didn't have that at all and they soon figured out, you know, adding a few more dealers uh, in the enterprise space. They soon figured out how the United States was dealing with buying a piece of equipment from DJI that had the enterprise label on it, if that makes sense. And again, they didn't know us for nothing. Well, we took that passion again, took that want, that need. The customers really drove us to understand the equipment, show the equipment, and then all of a sudden we, we're impacting all of the other enterprise dealer. We're, you know, they, they get more, there's more people, there's more people, and the relationship there still holds hard. I mean, we still have a great relationship with DJI, but them letting go a lot of people, them shifting, you know, a lot of this might be very geopolitical moves, more so than, you know, just we're doing, we're not doing business now, you know, I mean, there could be a lot of reasons behind why they change, but through the years of five years of dealing just with the enterprise side, um, yeah, we it just goes it, it's an up and down cycle all the time. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's nothing different, you know. To be honest with you, it's not. We just we just have to adapt. Yeah. We have to move. We have to shift, and we have to change all the time. So there's not much you know to complain about when they do something like this you know we just have to we have to work with it if we want to stay in business the the question i have is have you been impacted by the fact that the government can't really use dji products anymore i'm sure that probably put a a pretty big dent in their sale and obviously probably in your sales as well can you tell us more about how this kind of unfolded and and what came out of it yeah i have my own i have my own opinion on why uh dji has been such under fire um you know and it's it's it I love to share it, but I don't want to beat beat anybody up. Uh, DJI has just been a, it's been such a huge thing in the market that all of a sudden, you know, other people want to capture those sales. 
of the 70%, 75% market share that they own uh, across the globe, not just in the United States, but across the globe, there's nobody that's really, you know, done what they can. Um, and then all of a sudden, I'm, you know, even though we've, we've been needing back, you know, flight log data that have been recorded, all of a sudden we, those are requirements for uh, any FAA compliance or filing for certain things. They, they've been recording this stuff since day one. Um, but how, the manner in which you, how, how you get that uh, has been always in question. How do you, you know, I, it goes to a server, so that server must be seeing what we're seeing or where we're flying or what we're doing. So, but it, how else do you record any of that data if it's stored on the machine? And there's not a lot of manufacturers that actually do that. So they're handwriting everything down. So, so this is built in just to accommodate the rules and regulations at one point, right? That, that, that data that has to be saved so that people can prove what they did or where they're going or whatever it is to anyone on the authoritative side. Well, they were forward thinkings in that forward thinking in that process. I mean, I, I hate to say it. No other drone manufacturers were doing that at that time. When the Inspire one and, uh, came out and all of a sudden we had this data being recorded, um, no one was really doing that. That's 2014, you know, 2015 when that thing came out. But when they went ahead and started doing that people had that perception right from the get-go you know well you know we can't be doing anything and it's fine i mean i'm sorry not that perception is a good go but it's fine to go ahead and have that recording but then you see things in the in the media you get changes on how we're gonna use that data how we how they collect the data and then bam we've got articles coming out we've got negative things coming out then we have competitors saying how bad DJI is all the time and then more geopolitical stuff with Trump and you know it just keeps escalating and keeps escalating but last night I was talking to a guy and he asked me you know there's a group of people in, in Clubhouse which is a new fun app by the way it's very time-consuming Clubhouse very time-consuming <laughs> um, anyway we're sitting there talking and 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 I'll you know what do you know somebody asked hey what drone do you recommend was it anything but DJI that kept coming out of the other people? Nope. Nothing that anyone else recommended. You know, a couple of brands come up, but get a get a Mavic. Get a Mavic 2. Think about buying a, an Inspire 2. Think about no one was, was thrown out there, Skydios and, and Blue UAS, and nobody was talking about that. If you want something that works, get one of these. And that has nothing to do with my opinion or how I perceive that the market has a lot to do with that. It works. They know it works. It's going to do what it's supposed to do. It do what it's designed to do. And even though we run into some issues and problems with DJI and trying to get things back, they make millions of drones, millions, not, not 500, you know, not 5,000, not even 50,000. They make millions of drones. And if you have only 10% failure, in millions of drones, two million, that's 200,000 people that are having a problem with one product line. You know, that's that's insane that you'd have 200,000 people complaining about DJI, but 800,000 people actually flying them around and having, you know, or 1.8 million people actually flying them around and doing successful work with them. 
Yep. Somebody wanted some said. market share. That's what happened there. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't disagree with this. I've, I've mentioned this before as well, and in, in some of my news update, you know, when you see uh, very coordinated attacks on uh, on one manufacturer, one after the other, it's um, it's. I don't know. It's a little bit obvious, I think. Yeah, yeah. And so, how did they meet that? How, how did they have a? You know, how did they meet that when that first came out? They make they made government editions. Systems that couldn't be updated, that couldn't, you know, talk to the Internet. But these already exist since day one. You can manage all of that since day one that they started doing that. So I told, you know, I tell people I've got over 3000 flights on my Inspire one. I finally retired it about an e a year and a half ago, but 3000 flights. Only 340 have been recorded on DJI's actual little app. Only 340 flights exist there. But out of the 3,000 flights, you wouldn't even know I flew that many. You can't find it. You can't pull it up. You can't show it to anybody. But in the early days when, when they were first coming out, I used the little app to track it and see how far I go and where I was flying and everything else. And that, that was really neat, you know, that you could sync all your drones and see all the drones that were flying in their little app. But you can turn all that off. You don't have to do that. You don't have to transmit that all the time. So a lot of people just don't understand that that's something you can do. But the bigger picture is like, well, it, if it talks to the Internet, then everybody knows what I'm doing. You know, I'm doing. But know? John, is, is this not exactly uh, why a enterprise dealer network for DJI is important to be able to educate and instruct people how to use these drones, how to fly these drones and how to make sure that their data is kept safe? Because if these options were already available and people just aren't aware of them, I mean, to me, this sounds this is exactly where you guys come in to show uh, people how these products are to be used. You know, I, I, I hate to say that I'm one little dealer in the very large space. And I say little dealer, meaning this. I, uh, you know, Kara mentioned me as being drone Jesus and the drone God or whatever. You know, I've heard Thermal Thor. I've heard all kinds of funny names that people are like, hey, dude, if you want to talk to John, that's the guy, right? That's the guy. But in our small industry, 107 pilots, uh, small things that are going on in the world, we are still small. We have impact, but you know, laws and regulations are being created around exactly what you're talking about. I read something on the internet. We're going to change a law. I have a lady that's that's here that that doesn't like the fact that her neighbor is flying drones around her property. I'm going to change that law. I have Army and Navy and Marine Corps, which again still has DJI drones, by the way, um, and operating them. I have all these these military-ish type things, and that usually creates a standard of some sort when it, you know when it comes out like that of like oh if the military thinks it's bad, then all of the the corporate companies are going to think it's bad. When the corporate companies then change their minds and they don't want to buy a DJI drone, then all it filters down to all of these huge companies that have a you know that own numerous companies you know i got one co company that owns 10 15 20 different companies and, and and the whole from the top down all the way we can't use dji because i read an article that said the army didn't trust the dji stuff and so we're just gonna bam turn that off so trying to educate them doesn't have really much on my you know i try <laughs> i can show it but that's after the fact it's after the fact when 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 i go out there bring a different possible you know um product 
that it's not DJI. And, and their pilots have already been fly, flying DJI for a couple of years, but all of a sudden, here's this mandate, here's this memo, here's this, you know, thing that says you can't fly it no more. Bring it out there, show them some other products, because that is what they have to do, purchase something else. And they start asking questions like, hey, where is the this function? Well, that's a DJI function. It doesn't exist on this bird. Why does the gimbal shake around all over the place? Well, you know, well, the, well, the, the, that's a DJI freaking thing that, you know, they've figured out how to zoom a camera really well without having it jumping around all over the place. Well, why does it do, you know, I can't do mapping with this one. Yep, there's no open SDK, so nobody has developed anything to actually do mapping with this. Yep, so by the end of the day, you're like, I don't have anything to give you except this piece of crap you have to buy. <laughs> I'm sorry, you know, sorry about that. So is, is, was there anything on the market? I mean, you probably sell other drones, I'm sure. Was there anything else that caught your attention other than DJI? Was there a specific drone or specific anything that you see as an up-and-coming platform? Well, there's, there is definitely a lot of platforms that are, that are trying to push their penetration in the market. There's definitely some, some focus on trying to get the, you know, if the U.S. made the blue drone idea going, you know. But honestly, all of the blue drones are classified or were intended to be um, their use case. Specific use case was SRR, the search and recovery reconnaissance. That basically a drone that just goes over the hill and looks at something. I mean, there nothing in there talks about inspection. Nothing in there talks about mapping. Nothing in there talks about that. They it, they developed it to basically have a FLIR camera, uh, a uh, RGB camera. Go over the hill and look something. Well, guess who that works for? Fantastic. That, uh, you know, public safety, fire, overwatch. It works perfect for that. But any trying to push any of the, that, those particular products into any of the other industries or any of the other verticals doesn't meet their requirements when they've already been using other systems that actually do, you know. Um, so that's really important to understand is that once we're like, hey, You know, we developed all this money and time. We're going to put it out there. And I don't want to name names of manufacturers, but all of a sudden we're going to try to put it into another market. Well, I know well and damn well, it's not going to work well in that market. It just isn't. That's not what it was designed for. So hopefully mm -hmm. the next iteration of Blue UAS has that kind of in mind, you know, just a little bit. But DJI never, ever, ever said The drone that we're making now is 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 good for X. You know, they 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 people figure out what it's good for. Does, does that make sense? Like, yep. like you buy a Phantom. People didn't go well. I just want to do you know videos and images of my kids. You had a corporate company. You had public safety. You had inspection. You had oil and gas. Buy a Phantom and put it to work how they thought it was going to benefit them. That that's how it, that's how the industry has grown. Not like, hey, we made a phantom for oil and gas, even though it could be. You can market it in that vertical. You can show it works in that vertical. But that's not that's not how customers sometimes choose. So so to your question, what else do we sell? Well, whatever my customers need is what we sell. You know, so we figure out. But the but but then again, as I talked about earlier, I have to vet that equipment. I have to look at the support of that equipment. I have to make sure that I have the ability to get access to their engineers and people just in case my customers have problems. And if I don't have that, I don't like to sell it. And that's just the plain truth, you know? 
Going back to those uh, blue uh, blue drones for a second, um, a big thing was those drones couldn't be made in China, so they're being assembled here in the US. Uh, do you know if any of these drones really do not contain any parts that are made in China? Because I think that was the exact wording, right? These drones cannot contain any parts made in China. As far as I know, uh, I'm pretty sure they still all contain parts made in China. Do you have any information on that? Well, that that's the hard thing to get away from. I don't care what anybody says. If somebody says they can't have any parts in China, well, I'll tell you right now, there is nobody that makes parts to make a complete 110% drone in the United States. Uh, some component, some part, some chip, some piece of it is likely going to come. Even, even the molding of, of the plastic parts are not really hard. Now, I'm not saying that manufacturers are not doing that. I'm just saying it's more complicated than people are led to believe of like, well, we assembled it here in, in the United States, which is a different term than engineered, created, and and manufactured. You know, those, those are different. You can assemble it with all the parts and pieces in the United States, but we don't have great brushless motor companies that are cheap enough that people, you know, again, DJI's expectation. Thermal camera, because that's kind of my mantra. You put a FLIR sticker on a on a drone, you're going to be paying three times the amount just because it has a FLIR sticker on it. So um, trying to bring anything with United States technology raises that price really high. Any, and I'm not, you know, I'm not, again, bashing on our our ideas or innovations, but you know, you put that doll, you, you try to source anything directly from here, it's going to be much more expensive. And, you know, God bless Skydio on their, you know, pushing into the market, especially into the consumer market, which is complicated and tough, but bless their hearts that they're trying to at least, uh, you know, penetrate that and then also bring it also to an enterprise type level, you know. But I see the, the biggest problem I see there is their manufacturing. You, you know, hundred thousands, millions, hunt, you know, all these people that are out there. I have I have customers that have fleets of 300 to 500 drones. And if they were told tomorrow they can't fly any of the drones and I had to buy Skydios or Skydio X2s, I, when would I see them? I have no idea. You know, I have no idea how, how fast they could match, manufacture anything like that in the scale that they absolutely have to, you know. It, it has always uh, struck me as weird that there was such a focus on uh, drones made in China. I mean, if you if you take a look at uh, cell phones, right, smartphones, they're all assembled, uh, if not in China, at least somewhere in Asia. They contain all the same components, at least, well, they don't fly, but you have the recording capabilities, uh, cameras on board. Um, I don't see how a drone is uh, should be treated any differently than, let's say, uh, a modern day smartphone in that sense. So, of course, we're coming to the geopolitical side which also, you know, kind of messes with everybody else all the way across the board. And, and then and if we have those issues, those problems, Americans just can't we can't buy American. It's hard. People want in their heart to say I bought American. They want to say in their heart and feel good that they're that they're helping out fellow Americans. But you don't think that way when you're actually looking at American nightstand and a Chinese nightstand. And which one are you going to buy that's two times is more expensive. You just need the nightstand. You just need the piece of technology. You just need the cell phone, whatever, whatever it is, you're not going to do that. And half the products you probably have in your all over in your home are made by countries outside of the United States. You know, so as much as we try to think that we're doing and impacting, 
it's really hard to do that, especially in the drone space. So, I think there's a big pride to uh, the fact that aviation in general in the U.S., you know, not drones, but aviation in itself, we have the ability to produce aircraft, Boeing, and we have the ability to kind of be self, you know, we have uh, helicopter manufacturers, we have all of this, and the fact that we can get there with the uh, the consumer drone or the uh, the advanced drones, I think that's a pride thing, and and I would love, like you said, you know, to see the American market come up and and have a drone that can compete with DJI. They have such a, a lead. I feel like at this point that it's it's going to be it's going to take a lot of time if if we ever get there. But the manufacturing is going to be tough. What would be your recommendation if we have Skydio listening and other people listening? How do they get in? How do they get in into this market to compete rather than trying to put down DJI, which I feel like sometimes that's what is happening. How do we innovate to the point where we can beat DJI? Um, that's a great question. Actually, an absolutely fantastic question. When you have to lead your marketing tagline of don't buy Chinese, put your trust in us, you know, uh, that's a terrible tagline for marketing. I just tell you that right now. Yeah. The Chinese are the bad people. The Chinese, you know, they're terrible. They're humanitarian, all, all these other things. Well, that's a bad tagline. You can't put that against, well, if you, you know, compared to the only thing people are doing to get that. And I've seen Skydio videos that are like, you know, this is why it's so much better than a Mavic. This is why it's so much better than a Phantom. This is why it's so much better. Um, you can't do that. You know, you have, we don't do that. We are, we advised our customers, this is going to be the best solution according to your requirements for the job. If that is going to meet those requirements, I'm going to suggest this this drone. If for some reason that we then suggest something and there's flight flight failures, there's issues, we can't get them. Well, then you're going to be cut off my my chopping. <laughs> I can't I can't support it. So um, and again, I'm supporting my customers. I'm not supporting me. I'm supporting the customer that all of a sudden has a bunch of issues. They don't see. I don't send people back to DJI. We facilitate all that communication because it can be very complicated and everything else. But for these other manufacturers that are coming up in the United States uh, to meet that hole, to market themselves as being like, look how much better we are than DJI, we're years away from that, really in the scale of it. Maybe not the technology of it, because Skydio has something really awesome. I love Skydio's stuff. You know, their, their ability to do the obstacle avoidance is beyond, you know, what any drone can do. But that's it. You know, there isn't anything else. Skydio cameras are pretty good. The Skydio uh, platform is pretty good, um, but mm -hmm. I need, you know, 300 of them tomorrow. Crickets, yeah. crickets, yeah, crickets, you know. <laughs> kind of uh, no, and the X2, you know, we're excited about the X2. Everybody, you know, everybody wants to get ready for the X2, but same thing. We've been talking about it for a year, you know. I just barely seen one fly the other day, you know. Have you seen uh, that latest drone from uh, Parrot? I mean, that's another company, by the way, that's been uh, <laughs> saying the same thing, that you shouldn't trust uh, drones uh, from DJI in their marketing uh, language. Have you seen their commercial or enterprise drone and, and how did that perform? So that's the uh, what, what they call the Anafi USA. Uh, the Anafi USA yeah. is actually a good product. Um, they're they're not a, it 
it's a good product in the manner that the idea and the conceptual idea of trying to get it out there. But remember, on the back end, what was it designed for? Uh, why did they make it? And, you know, they also met the SRR uh, demand there too, as a as a blue yeah. UAS. So that's what it's for. But when we push it into other markets, it might not be great. How you manage it in high winds or many you know their manufacturing their scale we've got to look they've actually been making drones longer than dji uh, in a sense but you know they also i don't know they also have some issues on the on the qa side and again i'm not trying to beat them up i'm, I'm certainly not I'm, i have a great relationship with parent but they have to they have to put that they have to put that hold up there of you know it, this is the expectation of enterprise people and dji tripped over their feet for the first year with us you know like hey we're enterprise so we're going to charge more money yeah but if i sell that to somebody you'll be you better be ready to back that up you know with with the support yeah. and if we have that issue you know with other manufacturers then yeah i keep saying it if they're not going to support me i have a hard time supporting them you know that's got to be a dual relationship there to help people get these into the market and change the way they do stuff, you know. I did have a question. Um, do you see any traction with um, Otel products? I notice um, top guys like Doug Douglas Spotted Eagle really um, ro rooting for them all the time, or really just promoting it. And I, I don't know. I'm just I'm curious what you think of Otel, uh, especially since they don't have geofencing. I think. A big issue with uh, DJI products or what some people find is the geofencing. Um, some people don't like that. Do you see um, any uptick in sales on Otel products or what? what's your opinion? Well, let's go back a little bit with my Autel history and the people that basically really tried to bring that brand into the United States. At the end of the day, it is 100% Chinese made and Chinese engineered. We got a guy that actually brought the product into the United States to sell. Uh, this was back in the X-Star when the, when the uh, Autel X-Star came out. At that time, the, the equivalent of, of pushing against DJI was the Phantom 3. They made a couple of different Autels uh, or a, a couple of different X-Stars that would compete directly against the Phantom 3. Within like a, after release, Autel released, a month later, here comes the Phantom 4. So many things that made that that ship badass, the Phantom 4, that they really lost the market there with pushing against the 3. All of a sudden, here comes the 4, and everybody wanted the 4. So we ended up buying a number of those units back then, and they didn't really go anywhere, unfortunately. You know, we had a... And this was back in the distribution time. So, so RMUS did start as a you know, with a distribution mindset um, in the model community in, into the RC, you know, uh, hobbyists and stuff like that. So reselling to them is kind of kind of where it started way before we went ahead and dedicated to enterprise. Um, anyway, great guys, uh, great group of people. But unfortunately, your product is not selling um, and, and, and it's not selling because it's not good. It's not selling because everybody wants the latest and greatest newest thing. And if your camera is just a little bit lower par than what's now currently available, that's what they're gonna buy. And in the consumer electronics space, that's a really complicated thing to, 
to try and, and, and push against or do. So that's my history with Autel. Great, great company, great people, um, you know, and we move forward. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't put a lot of products in between the X-Star line and the Evo line that really impacted the way people were buying stuff from us. Again, we don't play in the consumer electronics space unless people absolutely need a, a, that product. So Autel has done a great job uh, kind of just being in the background, you know, uh, creating products here and there. But Autel is a much bigger company than just making drones. I don't know if you guys knew that, that, that they are a big company uh, that makes more than just drones. Uh, they have all kinds of stuff they do in China. Um, but it's not considered a Chinese drone. And this is, again, I'm not bashing on the perception, but there are 10 different manufacturers that I can name off the top of my head that are not on the list of they're Chinese and they're going to steal our stuff that, that people use all the time, you know. But DJI has definitely been underneath that microscope. Autel has been slowly flying underneath that radar, to be quite honest, you know. And and then they made some strides after seeing what DJI was dealing with to basically get that perception that we're not just engineered, created, manufactured, and done in China. We actually have, you know, the ability to do that here in the United States. Um, and so the product itself, fantastic. I've got two of them actually sitting right here next to me. I've got the Dual and I've got the 6K. I've got the live deck, I've got all of it. And I created a whole training platform uh, recently and have all of the training that I've made specifically for that platform. And hopefully people outside of who I sell to are actually taking that training to learn a little bit about the Autel uh, ecosystem and how it works. Great guys, simple, you know, simple on my end. I don't have that real, you know, high touch end engineering. I haven't been over there to go visit them, but in the United States, that's how it should go. Simple, easy. I order a product, it shows up, it's out the door to my customer after taking some, you know, getting that support. So that's where they're at, Kara. I absolutely love Autel. Question I got for you, John. I mean, uh, not too long ago, DJI launched the DJI Mavic 2 Enterprise Advanced, and now we know online that sells for six and a half thousand dollars. Available to anybody, uh, you would say. Can you tell us a little bit about how that drone has been received and how it's been selling since it's uh, been launched? Uh, the, the the advanced itself is that what you're asking? What you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as soon as I get them, we'll know. <laughs> so, have we got a lot of pent up demand for it? Absolutely. But why? Why is the demand there? Why is it I'm not selling? Or, or we haven't had a lot of people, you know, jumping on the bandwagon for other products, you know? I'll ask you that. That's my question to you. Why do you think people are wanting it? I would say because it's a, uh, it's a very capable, compact, affordable drone with a pretty damn good uh, thermal camera. And I don't know if there's anything else at that price point yeah. that really competes with this drone. That's the only reason why people are interested in it. It's cheaper than anything else. Now, even though it has a good sensor, it's a 640. People have put that standard there of like in thermal, you can't do anything with less than 640, which is, you know, I'm a thermal guy. That's pretty much horse crap, you know, without saying the, the bad word. Uh, you can do amazing things with a low end sensor. You know, you don't have to have 640 or the high end. But if you want to do certain things, yes, it's going to demand that. Um, but the price point, 
it always comes down to the price point. Uh, and that relationship between DJI and FLIR, uh, they made some great products at the beginning, you know, getting thermal cameras on, you know, on that. But you look at the price of those, you know, just a single XT camera without anything to fly it started at $9,000 at the low end, you know, yeah. nine grand. Now we're number of years in, ahead and they were able to get sensors manufactured in China. And do you care that it was made there? No, it's cheaper. It's not more expensive. Do you mind it? Do you care that it's got the FLIR brand on it? No, that neither does anyone else, you know? So, and, and again, not bashing on FLIR, not bad, bad mouthing the company at all, but they make more expensive products. You know, that's just what it is. Will it perform exactly like FLIR or exactly like the, uh, uh, radiometric imagery that we're used to. I, I, I've got one again, Autel, the Mavic Advance sitting right here. <laughs> um, I have been testing it and there's some things to be desired in the, in the, uh, in the inspection side of things. But as far as public safety drone, get it up there, easy to mobilize, good sensor. Perfect. You know, it, it it's, it's fine for that. When uh, when do you expect to receive them in larger quantities? Quantities. I mean, is there any specific reason? I mean, is are we waiting for a date, or is DJI facing any supply issues with the uh, advance as well? Because we know that something like that is going on on the FPV side, and I'm wondering if that's happening. Uh, I mean, the supply issues elsewhere with DJI as well, and maybe that's why the advance is not uh, not available on uh, in larger quantities yet. I haven't heard that yet. Uh, we're still on track to possibly get them here in the next uh, three to four weeks, but that that can change. You never know with DJI; they really can. You know that. Uh, again, we just have to kind of be patient. I've never been one to sit there and, you know, bite my lip at what was coming up next from DJI. They send me prototypes all the time of stuff. When the production version comes out, that's when my real testing begins. I can evaluate and give you some insight on how it performs. But again, as Kara said, I'm a very honest, you know, person that will tell you whether it, what it's going to be good for, what it's not going to be good for. But again, I'm typically playing with a prototype, prototype software, prototype firmware, prototype backend software, you know, how to process, how to do. And I don't always have the best answers or, or feel like, yeah, this is going to change the world for you. I always have to wait for the product to actually be in the, you know, a production version uh, because they can change, as you say, they can change chips, they can change sensors, they can change things from prototype to actual production. That can happen. I've seen it happen uh, with many a manufacturer that this was flying great when you spent a whole bunch of money developing it. But when it came to sourcing all the parts and pieces, there's something wrong. <laughs> it don't act like the one you sent me. You know, and that that is a problem, you know, overall, that's not a huge problem, but it is a problem to then start putting out information on my end of like, here's the advance. It's going to be the best thing since sliced bread. I've got one and blah, 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 blah. I just try to stay away from that a little bit. I'm not I don't do that. So I mainly just say I have it. And that's usually enough. I have it. I'm testing it. I'm evaluating it. I'm looking at it. People are like, well, what do you think? Send me a data set. Tell me some video. Show me some stuff. And I'm like, yeah, well, we're getting there. We'll, we'll get there. You know, we'll get there. You, then all the other dealers are trying to show, oh, man, buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it. Get it. Make sure you order, pre-order, pre-order, pre-order. And, and I just have learned from that 
that idea that it doesn't it doesn't work very well you know to do that so we have to be very careful so testing a product takes a lot of time uh because I've, I've done that with drones that just came out and i i'm like you i don't like to just come out and just say hey i'll give you my first opinion but then you gotta wait until i go through the thing and then review and make sure that it it works the way that i want it and then i'll give you my opinion but how much time do you spend out of your day out of your week on average testing product you know playing getting familiar with the software and and learning the drone in itself that's got to be a big part of your your day and your week i would expect Oh, absolutely. Usually I'm doing that on the weekend on, you know, just trying to trying to do that. That that's the passion of wanting to learn, you know. Every every day people are like, "Hey, John should know this." Whatever the question is. And sometimes I I think people are just lazy. They want the quick answer. They don't want to really take the time to find it out, you know. And some people truly do struggle with with whatever their problems or whatever their needs are. Um for me, if I tell you, you know, "Hey, don't do this." You know what is the value to that? You know, uh, don't don't connect it. This don't firmware. Don't don't do that. It could shut down your drone. It could have a problem. And all of that testing, all of that checking, all of that looking. You know, making sure might save you ten thousand dollars because I already tested it. It went out of control. It crashed. Whatever in the testing phase, right? And I'm telling you today, don't do that because. I already experienced this problem, you know, um, and that's a value to somebody, right? But I don't, I don't get money out of that. <laughs> I don't get paid for that. That's just my own uh, need or desire to learn about the stuff that I'm going to sell, the stuff that I'm going to, you know, put out there, you know, and that, and I do have a team of ind individuals that help me with that. I'm not the only guy that does that. I've got project leads inside my shop, my technicians, you know, specifically, might have a product that they're working on or testing or running and then give me feedback on that. I deliver to the world what the issues might be or what their, you know, problems are going to be, or if it, or if it's just working well and there's no problem, you know, I, I have technicians that help me with that as well. But as I said, I've got, you know, all the drones sitting over here just hanging out, you know, cause I, I have a weekend coming, which I'll probably be doing all kinds of testing, you know? So, That's the fun part. How many people are at RMUS right now? Uh, so, so I currently, with all of us, with all the founders, I have a staff of 14 people. So, um, there, there, there is a partnership uh, on the top level of co-founders. Uh, there's four of us: JT being the primary, Ryan Wood being our sales uh, sales VP, and Corey Cook Kirkwood that does all of our financing. You know, basically tells us how to spend money. Uh, and you always need that. You need that person. But then on the bottom end, you know, when we have all of our employees, a lot of these guys, you know, come from the RC world. They were, you know, I had a hobby shop for nearly 10 years. Um, and a lot of these guys worked for me. When we first began RMUS, I needed people that actually communicated and talked the way I did, you know, could understand what a lithium polymer battery, what an ESC is how to, you know, set up the remotes, you know, all things like that. I needed people like that. I didn't need high-end engineers. I didn't need, you know, mechanical and electrical engineers and overpay people for, well, I'm an electrical engineer and $100,000 a year. You know, I I was just like, hey, let, let's just have fun doing this. If I can pay you better, if I can pay you, you know, have you buy your own home or take care of your own stuff, 
that was that was kind of the mantra. That was kind of the idea. That to, to have a fun place, but still fly because you know we are all involved in the hobby, you know, for in, in some capacity, and most of those guys still do. Um, but that's kind of where it began. Kara is just a passion to try and do it. And of course, you got JT, who does who has done a great job uh, showing the world uh, what Armulas is is and what we can do, you know, and why we are who we are. And I just happen to be the front man because I talk well. I, you know, can explain the technology. I've been doing it for 20 years, uh, at least at least in the level of of putting a flight controller or something to to uh, manage how you actually fly, you know, an RC aircraft, which I have behind me, that is not easy to fly, and putting something in there to help you or assist you. That's been almost 20 years now. RC helicopters, airplanes, all kinds of stuff that I used to do that with in the beginning. Then it turned into the multi-rotor. And, uh, you know, I used to make my own gimbals. I had to make my own antennas. I had to make a lot of things, source stuff. And my very first product I ever bought from DJI was the uh, Ace One flight controller for an RC helicopter. And that was 11500 bucks. But it was a huge, a huge benefit because the flight controller we were using was seven pounds and about as big as a briefcase. And most of the payload you know, was just that, was just the flight controller. American made, $29,000, um, holy crap. Come to DJI, first product is this thing I see online, you know, basically or in, in those early days, I just see this, this, this video on YouTube or, you know, uh, and I'm like, hey, I, I, you know, that's what I need. I need something smaller so I can carry bigger loads that doesn't spend, that doesn't have so much, take up so much space, you know. So I probably have emails directly from Frank Wang back then somewhere explaining to me because everything was in Chinese. There was hardly anything in English trying to set that thing up, but it performed fantastic. You know, it made a difference and miniaturized the, the flight controller side to allow larger payloads, bigger batteries, and, and being able to develop that way. So, Well, we are getting close to an hour, and uh, it goes by quick when we have fun. Uh, was there any other questions from our co-hosts that uh, you have for John? Yeah, I have a quick one. Um, do you think DJI putting these prices and publicly selling their enterprise products now, do you think that's going to have an impact on the resellers? Um, the way I see it, I I believe personally that some of some of these businesses have a personal relationship with you already, and they know that if they have any issues or questions, that they can immediately reach out. Um, and you have a long-standing relationship. Do you think this um, impacts the reseller community at all? Um, you know, again, we have a different a different way we do stuff, as I've explained, you know, several times here, we have a different way. If you're just going to be a reseller that just sells a box and here you go and you made a margin on that and, you know, enterprise equipment, you know, does have a, an okay margin. And for some people, I've got 14 people. I spend money. I've probably got 200 to $250,000 just in R and D equipment. There's no, you know, if you're just reselling the box, to make a couple bucks because you're selling it out of your shed or out of some small shop or, you know, some, some people don't even, you know, they, they don't support it. They just don't. Um, unfortunately I have no 
no advice other than changing, you know, the way you go. The one thing about enterprise, when I first started with DJI, they didn't want to publish any of the prices. They said, well, the dealers can kind of just decide what they want to sell them for. I'm like, what? Like, like what? That was the beginning. Uh, well, and then you start seeing bids and, and, and things, you know, you have competitive bids, all my sales guys talking to people for months on end about what should I buy? What should I do? I've watched all of John's videos. You guys obviously know what you're talking about. And all of a sudden there's a bid that goes against us and they're, you know, $10 over cost, you know, what the hell? <laughs> you know, like, like, like a lot of the smaller companies, you know, they bought hundred thousand dollars worth of DJI and they got to get rid of that. You know, it's, it, they got to make their house payments. They got to make their, their bills. They got to, you know, it's a, it's a hundred thousand dollars just sitting there. They'll get rid of it just to get rid of it. You know, and unfortunately that does put a, a strain on the customer. To be honest with you, I didn't agree with this this initial thing at the very beginning of of not posting pricing directly from DJI. The fact that they sell it is is not really much of a big deal for me. But the fact that they never publish the pricing, people would get a new enterprise product announced, and you got all these dealers in the Facebook pages. DM me, DM me, send me a thing, and I can I can I, can, I can't tell you in the Facebook group, but but I can tell you on the side. I can tell you over here, what is, that's the most ridiculous thing I'd ever seen, you know, a, a policy that they created. Um, because they're not, again, engaging in the way that you would expect them to for a customer that's about to spend ten dollars or $15,000. If you could just tell them straight up, they'd already just take that knowledge back to their organization and let them know, hey, this thing's like fifteen grand. we got to have something like that. You know, that's the budget. But if you talk to John, it's fifteen thousand dollars. But if you talk to so and so from Dealer X, it's like eleven thousand dollars. When you talk to this guy, it's like thirteen thousand dollars. You know, well, how much is it? So they instilled the UPP policy. If you guys are familiar with that, they basically said everybody needs to sell the same price. There are certain products that you cannot sell for less than, and they made it. They established a UPP policy with with a hundred dealers across the United States who still violate that quite badly. You know, they, they still do. If we're all on the same page, why are you buying from me versus buying from drone nerds or buying from fly motion or buy, because we have created a relationship and established a, re a relationship with you that is important to you as a customer. You can feel, you know, that, Hey, I, that's why I want to buy from these guys. But if they don't even control that, you know, at some level or some capacity, uh, DJI and take away those those abilities to sell well why would it matter if they post the images or post the price online you know nobody cares you know that's where I'm at Carrie is that will it really matter well now you know what the budget is right now you know exactly what it should be so if you see one over that price well then somebody's trying to take you man you know and that that is happened that has happened in the past you know because they haven't really controlled that so again we're back to the positive side of what DJI did for me um, put the pricing out there so, so you duped, you know <laughs> so that's it you know that's it and everybody plays fair everybody plays fair well that's always <laughs> that's a great question um well, let me just put it in this perspective. Uh, I manage probably 30 different drones in the enterprise side, 30 different ones from my for, from my business. 
Um, I don't always have a favorite. I just kind of, I just kind of, I think it's fun to test them all. I also have around 50 to 70 RC airplanes and about 12 to 15 uh, RC helicopters. And I t- say 12 to 15 because I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually sitting here working on one right now that, that I need to put back together. So there's, there's others that are in, in different, whatever. So I don't really have a favorite. I really don't. I, unfortunately I don't. Um, I love them all. Do I like, have I had ones in the past that were just awesome? Yeah. I mean, come back to the Inspire one. That was like my favorite ship to fly around and still is, but I had to retire her because of the, because I couldn't get batteries anymore. Not the batteries, but I just, I just didn't have batteries. I wasn't going to buy anymore. Um, and that was my personal drone. And I love that bird. I mean, that was a fun bird. M600 is probably my second favorite of just what we've been able to do with an M600. Um, but this weekend, I've got to test the uh, Bobby Watts uh, Innovations bird, the Prism. Um, I've got uh, another guy bringing to the field where I where I, I enjoy my hobby, a, uh, a hybrid-type drone that runs gasoline with electric. Uh, he's going to bring that down so I can help him uh, figure out what's going on. So that might be a fun drone to fly around is a hybrid uh, gasoline electric uh, conversion. And, you know, like I said, every day I'm learning more. Every day I'm finding out more about what's going on in the industry and how that technology, where things are going. And I love being in it. There's no doubt about it. I absolutely love it. So. Yeah, I think we all have the same passion. I don't think you can be in aviation, quite frankly, in general, without having that passion. Um, Eventually it fades away and then it just becomes a job. But I'm the same way as you are. I wake up every day. I don't go to work. I I go do stuff with drones and airplanes and it's just awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, we could, we could go all day about, about getting paid for it and doing that. But I agree, you know, when I get in my vehicle and I'm like, I'm on my way to work and I got a bunch of drones in the back and we're going to figure out what we're going to do with it today. And I'm going to get a, make a video real quick that shows or talks or tells or, you know, make a training video. I mean, that's all great stuff. I love it, you know, and it, it's really hard for people to, to look at it, you know, my partners definitely, they, we've got a business to run. But for me, I still play in that field of just, I like showing up every day, you know, and they do too. That is, I'm not saying that they don't. They like showing up every day too. But, you know, everybody in the shop loves showing up every day and trying to impact how we, you know, manage our way through this, this drone industry, you know, and it's still fairly fragmented and still fairly, you know, difficult and, and you know, rules changing and things changing all the time. But we just, you know, if you're passionate about it, you'll just make your way through it. And hopefully you can make some money while you're doing it, while you're having a good time doing it. Yep. Agreed. And you be, anything else from anybody else? All right. Well, John, really appreciate your time. This was very insightful. Love hearing all of your experience and, and, uh, and talking about all different manufacturers. So uh, I think we're going to end the show for right now. Uh, all of you that are listening, this is available on YouTube. We have a channel. Just type Pixel Drone Show and you'll find it. And then it's also available on podcasts. So your favorite podcast provider, you'll be able to find this. You can listen in the car, uh, in the shower, anything, whenever, wherever. So thank you all for your time. And uh, this will be go- going live on Tuesday morning. So we will see you guys on Tuesday morning. And uh, that's all I have for now. So goodbye.